Starting a new series this morning called The Better Way, and David's going to read the first reading for us. Thanks, Luke. Reading from Acts 1, 3 to 8, and Acts 12 to 14. That's Acts 1, 3 to 8, and 12 to 14. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this, them this comment, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer among the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning for uh, your presence here with us by your Holy Spirit. And on this Pentecost Sunday, uh, we ask that you would make yourself known to us, just as the Spirit made himself known uh, in that special way almost 2,000 years ago, but then not just on that day, many times after. Uh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place and say, come Holy Spirit, come reveal the love of God to us, come speak to our hearts, come and uh, move in us and through us, empower us for what you have called us to do um, and show us who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as I mentioned, we begin today a new uh, teaching series, and we're calling this The Better Way, looking at how the way of life that Jesus calls us into 
It might not always be easy, might not always be comfortable, uh, but it absolutely is the best way to live, I believe, and I know many of you believe that too. Uh, today is that special celebration, uh, seven weeks after Easter, or the 50th day since the resurrection, uh, Penta, from Pentecost, meaning five or 50. And uh, what we remember on this day took place 50 days after the Passover celebration in Israel. So 50 days after the Passover, which is what was happening around the time of Jesus' crucifixion, is a festival where many different people from many different nationalities uh, were visiting Jerusalem. So there's all sorts of different people in the one place. And last week, uh, we read what happened as the followers of Jesus gathered in that place and prayed. We read that a sound like a rushing wind uh, entered the room and what looked like tongues of fire, whatever that means, presumably little things of fire, rested uh, on, on each of their heads. And those followers of Jesus, those disciples, they found themselves speaking, praying, talking in languages they didn't know or understand. But the international visitors all around them who understood all these different languages did understand and heard in their own languages the wonderful things that God had done. Translation, the Holy Spirit came and supernaturally enabled the followers of Jesus to declare the good news about Jesus to the people of the world all the different nationalities. Not your ordinary church service. It doesn't happen every Sunday. Um, didn't happen to them uh, all the time. This was brand new, totally unexpected. And Peter stands up, the leader, sort of becoming the leader. He stands up and says, this is what the prophet spoke of. Uh, God's spirit poured out on all people. And uh, so we celebrate this today. We pray for more of this today. Uh, God's Spirit coming and being poured out upon all flesh. So if you're a long-term churchgoer, uh, you have been a Christian for a while, you probably are familiar with this story. You know something about the Holy Spirit and who He is and how He works. And if that's you, that's, that's great. But if you are here this morning or you're watching online and you have very little understanding of Christianity and how God works and how God moves among humanity and, and, and especially if you have very little understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, then you're in the same boat as the people we just read about. They had very little idea. Now, they'd been with Jesus. They'd been walking with him, talking with him three years. They, they'd seen him die. They'd seen him alive again. But after 40 days of hanging out with the resurrected Jesus, he says to them that I'm leaving. And he says, go wait in Jerusalem, as we just read, until I send the Holy Spirit. Then he floats into the sky, blessing them as he does, and he leaves them with the most important mission anyone has ever been given as he leaves. Go share my message with your neighbours. No? Your, your city. No? The whole world. <laughs> just, just the whole world. That'll do, right? 
Can you imagine having your friend, your leader, the promised saviour, disappear forever, in, in, as far as you know, and all he says is, don't do anything until I send the Holy Spirit. But you have no idea what this Holy Spirit is or who this Holy Spirit is. You have no idea how to recognize him, what he's going to look like, what he's going to do, how to go, oh, there he is when he walks into the room. Now, sure, they have. there's reference to the Holy Spirit in their Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. That's what they had. But it's very vague. It's not as if there's a, there's a chapter in the Old Testament that says, here's, here's what the Holy Spirit is and exactly how he works and what he does. Right? It's very vague. Jesus essentially says that this mysterious Holy Spirit is the key, the essential ingredient. Just sit tight and wait. But there's no indication of how long they'll be waiting for. No guidelines on what to look for. Jesus basically just says, wait for the Holy Spirit and just Trust me. Just wait. And I can't think of a better way to start this this series about the way of life that Jesus invites all people into. The better way, I believe, to live. I can't think of any better way to start that than to talk about the way of trust. The way of trust. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, towards the end of primary school, it was either end of year six or beginning of year seven. I can't remember, but at the time, year seven was the last year of primary school. Went to Harvey Primary School at the time. And um, there was a the election of the head boy and the head girl. Right? Anyone remember this? I don't know why they did it this way, but like all the students voted on the election of, that's like, that's rough, right? Like the, your own peers voting on whether you're a head boy or a head girl. Anyway, there were two, this is the way I remember it. There were two candidates for head boy. One was myself and one was a guy by the name of Zach. And Zach was a really lovely guy. But all of my friends and all, all, of, all of my peers in year, year seven, they were saying, um, Luke, like you've got our vote. We reckon you're going to be head boy, you and, and, and the girl over there, right? And they'll all say, yeah, we, we'll vote for you. We, yep, we definitely want you to be head boy. And I was feeling kind of chuffed. I'm like, well, I'm not going to have too high expectations, but sounds like I might end up being head boy. Anyway, in the end, the vote came in, and the, let's say there's 30, 30 students in the year group. The vote came in, and it was 29 to 1 in Zach's favour. And the one vote was mine. <laughs> Needless to say, I've since had counselling to process this. And it helped. But since that point in my life, I've struggled a little bit to trust people. Uh, I recognise within me, because of that, and, and probably a few other things of, of a similar nature when I was younger, uh, I recognise within me a hesitation to depend on someone, to trust them with something that's important to me because that feeling of being let down, that feeling of being taken for a ride, that feeling of being taken advantage of is so horrible, isn't it? Right? Any, put your hand up if everyone, anyone's ever broken your trust, if you've depended on someone for something and they've let you down. I think most of us at some point have experienced this. It's not nice, is it? It's just an awful feeling. But it's going to happen at some point in our lives, um, whether that be in a relatively small way, someone you know just uh, plays a trick on you, or whether that be a major trauma that you 
experienced as a result of something like abuse. Um, I think that we, we experience it in different ways, but it, at some level, to some extent, we all will or have experienced areas of our lives where we've, uh, we've been let down, taken advantage of, and, and then we struggle to trust. And this affects, can affect, how we relate to God. Because we don't naturally have a really easy time trusting people when that flows on into our relationship uh, with the one who is called our Heavenly Father. We, we don't naturally have an easy time trusting God because we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be let down. We don't want to be taken advantage of and we're not really 100% sure that it won't happen. In the last couple of years, that's been a struggle to me for me, at times, I've, I trust God completely with lots of things. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have seen God's faithfulness in my life in so many different ways, in so many different areas. So I, I know in these, all of these ways, he can be trusted. He's always faithful. But a number of years ago, I, I felt God prompting and, and nudging to say, uh, we as a, a church community need to work towards planting starting a new church. And that was a big thing. It wasn't something I was expecting. God seemed to be confirming this in a whole variety of ways, though. But it wasn't like taking that step in faith that was difficult after a, after a sabbatical, at like an extended time of prayer and rest in 2020. I felt like, hey, let's go. It was October. And I thought, you know what? By December, we'll have carols in Piara Waters Pavilion. And then by at least Easter 2021, let's launch a new church. I was just like, let's take the bull by the horns and go. Let's do this. Instead... I recognise now God was actually calling me to a journey of learning, understanding and patience and ultimately a journey of trusting him that the bigger plan and his timing was the right timing. And that was a difficult journey of trust, God, to trust God that his way of going about this was the better way. Even though logically, logically I just thought now's the time, he's spoken, let's do it. I see now, though, why if I'd not trusted God, it would not have gone so well. So trust is a, can be a difficult thing for us. It's, um, it's really interesting to look at studies from around the world on how trusting people are, how much we're willing to trust in others. Uh, so we'll have the first leg of it. Studies show that, uh, relatively speaking, Australians are a bit more trusting than the majority of the world. So 54% of Aussies say most people can be trusted. Those are stats from just last year, 2022. China, a little bit more, 65%. Sweden and Norway, 75% of people willing to trust others. Very, very trusting mob. But of course, you look at the countries um, with the the lighter colours, with corrupt governments, Social, political unrest, and it gets down to single digits, as low as 2% in some African and South American countries willing to trust other people. Uh, 5% of people in Indonesia, just above Australia, just 5% of people say most people can be trusted, whereas 15 years ago, not that long, it was 45%, much closer to Australia. And now it's down to 5%. And it tells me trust can be broken very, very quickly. 
there's some studies that indicate that religious people, uh, religious leaders, uh, uh, sorry, religious people, are, especially Christians, are generally more trusting than others. To be that's probably to be expected when our whole deal is trusting God and relationship with others in the church as a part of that. But on the other hand, trust in religious leaders, trust in clergy and priests is in decline. In the UK, it's down 20% from 30 years ago. A major study in Australia showed that in 2014, it was down to 37% of people trusting a, a, a priest or a minister. Um, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's nine years ago now, with the Royal Commission bringing to light a range of abuses of power um, and abuses of people. We know it's not getting any better. Less and less people are trusting those religious like religious leaders and and even people of faith in general um i find the stats on journalists and whether journalists can be trusted quite fascinating um i think putin may have an issue um not particularly trusting of his journalists up there in the orange zone so humanity has plenty of reasons not to trust others to not trust governments to not trust the church but even if people do still trust um, and are willing to trust in some areas I think what stands out to me in looking at this kind of research is just how quickly the world is changing and just how quickly that where people were once willing to trust next year the year after there's a good chance that will change So does that mean that for humanity in general, we're just better off not trusting? Is humanity better to live with caution, with scepticism, with the guards up to ensure that we don't get hurt, to ensure that we don't get betrayed and taken advantage of and just to live in that way? I think in some cases we should think very carefully about who we trust and when we trust doing everything we can to ensure that abuse of all kinds is eradicated from this world. We should uh, stand against injustice. We should speak truth to power when it's appropriate. But what I want to put to you this morning is that we don't need to apply that caution and that kind of hesitation to trust when it comes to trust in God himself. In fact, if we do come at our relationship with God with a level of, I'll trust to this level but no further and hold back and put guards up in certain areas of our lives, then I think we miss the experience of joy, of complete wholehearted trust and dependence that's possible with someone who is trustworthy when we say, well, I'll only trust 60%, 70%, 80%, but the rest I need to keep to myself. When the resurrected Jesus had been with his followers for 40 days, if we go to that, that next slide where he says, do not leave Jerusalem, uh, he, he's been with them 40 days and he says, wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days, you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. He was essentially saying, don't go trying to work it out yourselves. Just wait. Just trust me. No need to take the bull by the horns and put it in your own hands. Wait, 
on what I have for you. I wonder if at the time he might have reminded them of Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It would have been easy to do that when it's like Jesus is gone, nothing's happened yet, we've got to do something. No, lean, on, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. They had no idea what the Holy Spirit was going to do. They had no idea how he was going to help them take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. They didn't know if some guy was going to walk into the room with a T-shirt that said, I'm the Holy Spirit on it, or whether, whether it was going to be a feeling. or They didn't know what this was going to look like. And yes, Jesus had said to them, it's better for you that I leave and send the Holy Spirit. That's the better way here. But, okay, Jesus, why is it going to be better? We don't understand. You're literally, think about it. This guy they've been with is God in the flesh, God with skin on, standing in front of them, walking, talking, teaching them. How can you get better than that? Is it, is it even possible? Who would be with Jesus in the flesh if they could this afternoon? Who would cancel all their plans to, to do that, to hang out with that guy? And yet he, he says, it's better that I leave. Yet all he really gives them is just wait. Just wait. And I believe this is the kind of trust that Jesus still invites us into. Just wait. You don't understand how it's all going to work. You don't know the details. You don't fully understand why I say some things and don't say other things and teach these things and don't teach these things. But just wait on what God has for you. When's the last time you sat in a chair and waited silently for God to speak? I know sometimes far too long goes by before, before I do that again. And I don't just mean sitting in a chair in literal silence. It might be with the Bible, might be devotional, might be worship music, might be going for a walk. But when you actually quieted your mind and paid attention to God. I wonder if part of the reason we neglect to do this is that we struggle to know if we can really trust him. Like we get real this morning, like do we, do we really feel like we can absolutely trust God? Because it might be that when we quiet our minds and say, God, show me, speak to me, talk to me, uh, that he says something that's a little bit difficult to hear. Like he might say, go and forgive your wife, go and forgive your husband. I um I sensed God say that to me the other night. Now I probably misheard to be honest. It was probably go seek forgiveness from your wife. Um, you know that was probably what it was. But either way, I don't like hearing that stuff. I don't like the the stuff that's uncomfortable that makes me feel like God's telling me off. But anything that God's going to say or do when we slow down, anything He's going to Reveal to us when we wait on him. It's not to make us feel rotten. It's not to shoot us down. It's not to push us away like someone might have done to you when you were younger. Whatever God gives us when we wait on him is out of love. Whatever he shows us, it's what's best for us. Whatever he says to us, it's to bring us back to the path that brings life. 
the better way of Jesus for us. And so I wonder if part of why I don't slow down, I wonder if part of why you don't slow down and wait on God is because there's something about our view of God that's a bit off. If we truly believed, okay, God has an incredible gift of love that he's just waiting for me to receive this morning, would we not sit and just expectantly wait for him? For, for that thing he was willing to give us. If we trusted, he has something good for me right now. Maybe you think, okay, but he's not interested. He's, he's overbearing. He's a bit too much like my own father or mother, a bit too controlling. Maybe God's a bit absent. What if God's like that teacher who treated me different to the other kids or like that friend who I thought I could trust but didn't care one bit about me in the end? What if God's even a sliver like that? Rather than saying, what if, what if, what if, and holding back trust, let me ask you, is it possible that the reasons, the reason that the disciples in the upper room waited patiently, expectantly with trust, is it possible that they knew that whatever unexpected, mysterious new thing God was going to do, it was absolutely worth waiting for, that it absolutely would be good, that they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that If Jesus said wait for it and the good gift is coming, we ought to wait for it. How could they be sure? How could they be so confident that they should just wait and not do anything else? This is going to be the best gift we could receive. How did they know? Because they knew Jesus. They walked and talked with God with skin on, God in a person, and he was so good. He was so loving. So whatever Jesus promised, as vague as the details may have been, however unsure they, they were about what it was going to look like, they could trust that it absolutely would be worth waiting for. And I think this is the key, friends. If we want to learn to trust God completely and not miss what he has for us, we get to know Jesus. We get to know Jesus. Not religion, not preaching or theology or, or, or um, the, the, even the Bible. We learn Jesus through the Bible for sure, but no, it's not the Jesus of your grandparents or the Jesus of your parents or the Jesus you find on the internet or the Jesus your friend thinks they know so confidently, but the crucified, risen Jesus himself. We get to know Jesus himself personally, and the way we do that is by constantly welcoming the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, into our lives, the one who points us to Jesus, the one who delivers us the words of Jesus, the one who keeps us connected to Jesus. I know what I'm saying in short is that we learn to trust God by trusting him, by stepping out and going, I'm just going to trust and we'll go from there because then we discover he's the only one who's actually trustworthy, right? The scriptures say it this way. I said this earlier this morning, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't taste, you won't see. If you want to see, you'll need a taste. doesn't have to be a whole massive step. I'm all in. I have no idea who you are, Jesus, but I'm all Taste first and you will see. We've got to give him a go. We've got to trust when we can't see, depend on him when we've not yet experienced. Now, whether that's as a follower of Jesus, but with an area of your life that you're still holding on to, right, I can, 
I can trust him. I know he's been faithful in other areas. I can trust him with this too. Or whether it's trusting God with your whole life because you've not chosen to be a follower of Jesus before. I had no idea that when I became a Christian around 17 years ago, I had no idea what I was getting into, really, a little bit. But honestly, it was, it was like, well, this, this will be a journey. All I knew is that there was something about Jesus that drew me in. Like, I need to explore this. I need to get to know this Jesus. And the last 17 years has just been basically year after year after year of learning that despite the number of times I've let him down, he's never let me down. There's no area of my life I can't trust him with. I forget that sometimes. Why am I not trusting you? I can trust you with everything else. There's no area I can't trust him with. He's not waiting for me to finally release control of some deep, dark corner so we can go, ha-ha, got you, and then you know, uh, take advantage of me in some way. He's completely trustworthy in every single area of my life and of your life too, I believe. In, and uh, living this way, you know, trusting him just with absolutely everything, the way of trust doing whatever he wants us to do, no matter how foggy the details are. I really, truly believe it's the better way to live. Don't take my word for it, though. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's Pentecost Sunday, and so um, uh, we, we have a bit of time this morning. We're gonna, we just want to create an opportunity to... To do exactly this, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to wait on the Lord, uh, to actually do what the disciples were asked to do in Jerusalem, uh, to wait and don't do anything, just, just wait on the gift that the Father has for them. Uh, so we're going to worship, we're going to sing a little bit, but then we're just going to leave some space. Uh, I'll, I'll guide some of it. Other times we just have some extended periods of silence. If it is completely silent, don't. that's okay. We don't need to fill the awkwardness, um, but just allow space for God to speak to you, for to reflect on whatever it is that you need to let go of, whether it's something from your past way back or whether it's something that you're holding on to right now. Um, so, yeah, some of our time this morning will be active, praying, asking, crying out, um, singing, but some t- just stopping, stilling ourselves, just waiting on the Lord. Is that okay? So let's stand and uh, we'll begin just by singing together and praying together. Father, we ask that this morning as we come to this time this on Pentecost Sunday of just asking for you to pour out your spirit on us, in us, in this place, for those places where people are watching online this morning. We remember the words of Jesus this morning who said, upon responding to his disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray, we remember your words, Jesus, when you said, if the Father, if a Father is willing to give good gifts to those who ask, how much more? Would your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? And so, Jesus, we, we know that your attitude towards us is a how much more attitude this morning. How much more are you willing to give us your spirit? How much more are you willing to give us um, that word or um, reminder 
um, was or scripture or um, experience in some unexpected way of your love. How much more are you willing to give this if you're a good, good heavenly father who loves us? Much better than our own earthly mother or father. You love us completely, Lord God. And so as we wait on you this morning, we ask you to pour out good gifts on your children.